0: Good morning, Freedom Center. Good to see you guys. I miss you when I'm away, you know. I'm grateful for the great staff that we have. Didn't Pastor Carl just kill it last week, that guy? He, uh, we had a, a lady, she's just moved here from another state, and she said, oh, you weren't here last week. And, but that guy, he did a really great job last week. I'm like, how, how great? What do you mean by that, how great? She goes, well, he went a little long. I'm like, thank you. That's all I needed to know. I still have job security, because I never go long. Amen. So um, you may or may not have noticed by now, but in the summertime, we have a rhythm where every other week I'm somewhere else, and the staff gets a chance to, to flex their muscles, the congregation gets a chance to appreciate the word from various angles. But, but one of the things that you may or may not know is the stuff that's very familiar to us, the Ephesians 2.10 stuff, the wise greater than what stuff, the orphans to heirs stuff, is actually, it's really transformational. And so we get requests all the time, could you send somebody, we have a Sunday service, could you do a seminar for our leadership? And so all summer long, every other week I'll be gone to do those things. I'll be in uh, Idaho next week, and it was in Battle Creek last week, so I will be here every other week. I am still your pastor. No, this is not me telling you I'm retiring. This is, this is, just, this is another investment of this congregation in the kingdom of God. And thank you so much, right? No one's ever said, hey, you're gone a lot, man. I mean, a couple of the board members, but nobody else has said that to me. No one said that to me. I just want you to know I'm not gone because I'm on vacation or I'm chilling and grilling. I'm, I'm literally out working harder than I would if I was being here. But I'm gonna just know that one of the things, if you want God's blessings, you have to give away what he's already given you. You have to invest it. You have to keep it moving. So the difference between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, besides there's no life and there's lots of life, is stuff flows in and stuff flows out. Dead Sea, stuff flows in, nothing flows out, and nothing of any value lives at the Dead Sea. So we are not going to be a Dead Sea church. Amen, so God bless you and I also want to say one more thing before we get started in the message this morning. BJ and Amanda Burton are not in here right now, I don't believe, because they are always serving. BJ has been a man who has stood between me and harm every Sunday for decades, literally. He's on our security team, great guy. Amanda works with our special needs students, and they have received uh, an offer and have taken it, and they're heading off to North Carolina, and they won't be with us anymore. Amanda has directed our uh, Freedom Center Child Development or FCDC, which is not a rock band from the 80s with a lightning bolt in between, FCDC. Um, and we are going to miss them terribly. And if you get a chance to give them a hug today, tell them thank you for everything, would you do that with me and just honor them and bless them because they are awesome people and we love them. And, and now I guess I have some sad news. Um, I know this is a sobering time and the last thing we want is sad news, but as of today, summer is now over half done And you're like, oh, that's relief. I thought you were quitting. I'm not retiring. I am quitting, but I'm not retired. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's uh, today we cross that threshold of the summer series where we're now, stuff is behind us and stuff is in front of us. I just want to give you a quick, we're going to be talking about uh, next week, what does it mean to be called by God to do something? How do we know if it's if it's a burden, if it's a calling, if it's an anointing? That's gonna be next week. We got two weeks coming up on the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation. Um, we've got a week of sharing the gospel. How do we share the gospel with people? We're gonna talk about what is our responsibility to our neighbors. That'd be a week I would avoid at all costs if I were you because once you know it, you gotta live it. And like Jesus plays no games. You ever read the parable of the Good Samaritan? It's like run for your life, little ones. It's it's. Uh, it's a rated R parable, and it is a difficult thing to live up to, and yet we'll be talking about that. And then we're going to enjoy a, a worship, communion, praying for the sick, exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit service um, that kind of finishes off this series. And I, I hope you'll make it a point to be here for these and there's just so many good things in front of us. So we're going to continue catechism today. And let's, let's see if we can get to what it is. I'm not going to tell you what the question is we're going to answer today, but maybe you can figure it out from these scriptures. It says this, Matthew chapter 3. Everybody say Matthew chapter 3. So we, we understand this is chapter 3. It's important. It normally it isn't, but now it is. So chapter 3, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Matthew chapter 4. Everybody say chapter 4. Jesus has been tempted in the wilderness. He goes in led by the Spirit. He comes out um, filled with, empowered by the Spirit. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach. What's his message? Say it with me. Repent for the... Has come near. Now, Jesus is now in a, in a teaching, kind of displaying it in Capernaum, Matthew chapter 4. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, their, their congregational settings, proclaiming the good news of what? the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. How I many you guys would love to be in that service, right? Whew. Matthew chapter 5. Everybody say chapter 5. Jesus Jesus in a teaching cycle now. He gathers his, his uh, 12. They go up to this mountain area, but as he starts talking, crowds start gathering. We get from this what we call the Sermon on the Mount. At the very beginning, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the what? Skip down to verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is what? I think you probably know what we're gonna talk about today, don't you? That's right, okay. And then he sends out his 12. Jesus sends out the 12 with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, as you go, this is what I want you to say. Proclaim this, herald this. Show up and blow up. Don't whisper it, don't put it on your t shirt. Show up and blow up. This is the message. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. What do you think our question's about today? Yeah, what's, what's the kingdom of heaven? It seems to be a focal point, does it not? Come on, hang in with me. Does it not? So it's not like the kingdom of heaven, it's like going to church. No, no, no. Well, the kingdom of heaven is like miracles. It's more than that. The kingdom of heaven is like the Beatitudes. It's more than that. The central focus of Jesus' ministry, when he taught and when he behaved and when he acted upon, when, when nouns became verbs and verbs were simply nouns, it was all focused on the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God. By the way, they're, they're both the same thing. Done an exhaustive study on it, there is no difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. It's just words, right? So I thought, how do, we, how do we answer that question? What is the kingdom of heaven? What is the kingdom of God? And this is my first solution. Remember, we're trying to make these catechism questions so that when you are asked, what is the word of God, you have in your mind what Pastor Carl said last week. What, what is the, the kingdom of heaven? I started with, this is my, this is my, my first draft. You Ready? You're supposed to memorize this. That's why this is funny. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God is the term used by John the Baptist, Jesus, and the apostles to describe the practical expressions of God's authority, will, and rule on earth. How many of you guys were like done 14 words ago? All right, so I shortened it. Here's a shorter version. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is the manifestation, back to the garden, of the restored will of God on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you guys are still like, that ain't gonna happen, I'm not gonna memorize? It. Anybody else like me? Isn't it wonderful that I don't suffer from ADD, I actually enjoy it, but the, the people around me often suffer from my ADD, so I want, I want it all rhyme, and there's like cookies and milk in the middle of it, maybe a nap, but this is what I came up with is this, the kingdom of God is any place or any people where Jesus is king. What is the kingdom of God? It's any, it's any place, it's any people, it's your home, it's your heart, it's your small group, it's, it's, it's the Bible study at work. It's driving the kids to school in the morning and hearing them talk about what they read in the Bible that morning before they went to school. It's praying with the kids before they get out of the minivan. It's, it's, it's life with Jesus as king. Are you still here? Now, here's the problem with the kingdom of God as far as my perspective. I, I can't think of a king that I like. Like, when I think king, I think, you know, King George III, As you may or may not recall, there was a date around the 1770s where he thought he was all that in a bag of chips and we kicked his butt. So that doesn't necessarily help me when I think about a king. I I, I pulled this out of the the Declaration of Independence just so you kind of get the view of him from our contemporaries in that day. It says, the history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations. All having an indirect object, the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. How many of you guys know that my first thought of a king is King George III, and it ain't great. So you talk about a kingdom, you got to talk about a king. And we start with King George, just not going well. So I, I progressed to this guy. I, and, I, and I actually had a word, my son Josh said, don't use that word. I don't like that word, so I'm not going to use the word. But I, I look at him, I think, you know, I'm not sure that crown once represented, but I don't think it represents the same thing today. I, I don't think I want to follow his patterns of his family. I don't think I want to follow the patterns of his politics. I don't think I want to follow the pattern. I don't want to follow this guy. I'm glad he's a figurehead and not like a state head because he was a state head. <laughs> I think that we should all have Tuesdays. I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't respect him. And, and if I go one step farther, <laughs> when I thought about who's a king, this guy comes in mind. And this guy, I mean, maybe because he wants me to have it my way. I can hold the pickle. I can hold the lettuce. Special orders, they don't upset us. All we ask is that you let us serve it. But that's not a king. A king would never say that. And King Charles would never say that. And King George would never say that. So when I say kingdom, and we have to think of a king, we have to understand that Jesus is not, is not like the earthly kings. Just like we say God the Father, I realize we called a man in our life father, whether he was there or not there, whether he was a good man or a bad man. We have a picture in mind that may or may not be a good one. But we say king. I can't think of a solid, like maybe Solomon, but the dude had so many women in his life. I mean, just there's still parts of him like, you're so wise and such an idiot, like, you, you couldn't control that? I mean, that's, right? So, when we think of King Jesus and the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, that, the domain of this king, if you have to remember that the king we serve is all-knowing, and yet he's all-merciful. He's all-wise. He will always know exactly what to do. He is utterly and completely trustworthy. He has sacrificially given his life For every single person in this room, every single person who has ever lived, every single person who will ever live, he became the offering, the sacrifice for the wages of sin. He paid it for us on our behalf and now extends through grace, which is his working in our life, and faith, our trusting in that work, that he would save us and for all eternity we get to live on streets of gold with flying angels and crystal sea and 36-inch largemouth bass that are dumb as a rock. We get a banquet that lasts who knows how many millennia. We get to worship at his feet and never be afraid of another single thing again as long as we live. I love Revelation chapter 24. It says that I saw the, the new heavens coming down out of heaven from God as a bride prepared for her wedding day. And I heard a loud voice from the throne say, now the dwelling of God will be with men and he will be their God and they will be his people. And he, God himself, will wipe every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more mourning or death or crying or sickness or pain or the IRS or Ohio State, none of it. When the phone rings, it's a friend saying, let's have coffee, not someone saying there's been an accident. We will, we will have no need for adrenal fight and flight because the fight has been won and the only place we'll run is to him for the rest of eternity. That is the king that we serve and that is in essence, the, the the essence of his kingdom for us. Even the hairs on your head are numbered. There's nothing hidden. And yet, even though he sees it all and knows it all, he, he's chosen a commitment level that can only be described as love, which is patient and kind and gentle. It's far beyond feelings of romance, feelings of paternity, It goes to a decision, a covenant. I have made my choice about you. You are loved. You say, why? Because I've chosen to. I know, but why? Because I love you. But why? Because I love you. I know, but I haven't because I love you. Listen, Christianity is the only theology available to mankind and the only philosophy available to mankind whereby your identity is given to you, not earned. You enjoy a generous, the most generous gift. And this love becomes the primary love of our lives that orders all of our secondary loves. So what about holiness? What about, yeah, yeah. But holiness, because I tried harder this time than last time isn't holiness, it's self-righteousness. But if I love him more than I love it, I have rightly ordered because of my love for him, my love for other things. Every time you love something more than something else, it, it goes in an order. Does this make sense? If I love my dog more than I love my wife, someone predict the outcome of that. If I love my yard more than I love my children, someone predict the outcome in my children's lives. But when my loves are properly ordered from Jesus all the way through my family, all the way through to all of us and the world around us, let me tell you something, guys. When your loves are ordered by your kingdom, by by your king, the kingdom of God has come. And that is the goal today. What is the kingdom of God? I think it begs an, another question about the kingdom, and is that is how do we get this out? How, how does the kingdom advance? Because we have a lot of arguing, and I'm not against good arguments. I actually enjoy them. We, we have a lot of, of, you know, this side versus that side, and people are making great money out of telling everybody that everybody else is the devil. Yeah, I knew it'd get quiet. It's just fun for me. But at some point or another, how many guys would actually like to see the world change? And, and not just be mad that it hasn't or vilify those who are on the opposite side of your opinion. How many of you guys know that the pulpit is not the place for you to come and hear your opinions come out of the pastor's mouth? That's not what this church is for. It's here to declare the glory of the king and the kingdom of God being at hand. And for anyone who wants it, you reach out, you can have it today, right? And that orders our loves, et cetera, right? So how does the kingdom of God advance? Because what the world needs now, come on, is love, sweet love, right? It's true, it, like, what the world needs right now is for people of love, people of kingdom love, to make a decision about the people around them as a decision has been made about us. So, I'm going to give you three things today. And I've got, uh, what is that? I've got 13 minutes. Piece of cake. How many guys believe I can do this in 13 minutes? How many are afraid to raise your hand? Like 13, 26, 39. Yeah. Here we go. Look at this. The kingdom is first realized through teaching and proclamation. Uh, we saw this in Matthew chapter four, right? Jesus, he, he teaches in their synagogues, the word didacty, didacti, we get our word didactic, so two plus two equals four, line upon line, precept upon precept, and proclaiming, it says, as he heralded would proclaim in a town square the news of the king, he proclaims the kingdom of God. So we have proclamation, preaching, declaring, public, loud, draw a crowd, whatever you gotta do, and we have teaching, and so we first pick up on this understanding that there's another world, that there, there's, a, there's another law. Like, how many guys appreciate the law of gravity? Less and less as you get older, because it affects us personally. But, but the, someone said, how's your weightlifting routine going? It's like, I'm squatting 200. Every time I get out of my chair, I'm squatting 200 pounds, man. But that, that thought, the gravity, I, the, the water slide downtown, that's one of the things that was on the, on the list, but the kingdom builders pay for the water slide. And there, it was such a, how many guys were down there last Thursday downtown? It was a blast. absolute riot. Well, the kids go down and they get stuck halfway. But Frosty the Snowman goes down. I, I went this, I can do it this time because I bruised my ribs in a chainsaw accident. Long story, short conclusion. Um, I ran, I jumped, I, I'm stealing home, I'm scooting down. I go, I, I'm passing the water. Because for the first time in my life, gravity and surface area are on my side. And there's a kid that's down there marking who's gone the farthest. I almost took his legs out. Like, go away! You can't stop. And, I, and I, I went off the plastic into the grass. How many of you guys appreciate gravity? Did you know there's a law greater than gravity? How is Jesus walking on the water? Because he's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. And his laws are higher than everybody else's laws. He is not subject to the laws of the world that he created with words. There's a law that's greater. If someone here today is is diagnosed with cancer, it it is absolutely a fact medically that there's cancer in your body. But there's another fact called truth from which we can declare healing, freedom, deliverance, resurrection. And You say, well, then why does it happen all the time? I don't know. But I know this, there is a truth that's truer than the truth of this world. There are facts that are greater than the facts of circumstances. Pastor Les, who, by the way, is, I don't think I have permission to share this, but he's in the ER, tremendous pain, so pray for him. We are, our old children's pastor, still call him Pastor Les, I don't know why, but because if you just call him Les, he sounds demeaned. So, that makes sense, Les? I asked him for something one time, he said, you're expecting a lot out of a man whose own mother named him Les. But... <laughs> A lot, lot of pain. They're trying to figure it out, so, so pray for him. But, but that, that thought, right, that he, you know, this is what you get paid to be a pastor or a staff. He said, I can't afford that. I'd make more money in that. I'm like, well, then you either trust God and it's a step of faith or you don't. And he, and he said, okay, I'll take it. And then over the next, like, several years, he's like, you know there's math and there's God math. I'm like, what, what do you mean? He goes, well, there's, there's, there's the income and there's the outgo. So would you explain to me how for the last six months, a year, whatever it was, my income and my outgo... All of a sudden, it's like my income just, I I don't understand. At the right moment, in the right way, there's a check in the mailbox, I sell a car. I I have more freedom financially today making less money than I did when I was making more money. Can you explain that to me? I said, it just sounds like kingdom stuff. So he nicknamed it God math. It's just God math. When God adds the numbers, then some loaves and some fish becomes a feast for thousands. It's it's a law that supersedes the laws of our world. you see this? So think of this, Has, has it dawned on you yet that there's another world that is more real than the one that we are now experiencing. What is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of heaven? It's that, it's that place, it's that people. When we realize there's something realer than, than the numbers and the laws and the facts of this world, we are walking into another world. It is a world where God alone rules and reigns and decides what is best for his children. It's nuts, right? Does it, how many of you think Sabbath makes sense? What I want you to do is to work six days and not work the seventh day. And if you do this, you'll produce more than working seven days because six is greater than seven. Mathematically, you go, that's, that's why I failed algebra was that sort of logic, reasoning. No, no, six is greater than seven. I remember one time I was waking up and I was trying to think about Sabbath and praying. and It's my day off. What do I do? How much is too far? And how much is too much? And where do I, can I mow the grass? It's a riding mower, Lord. I mean, I'm just sitting on my butt. But I, if, if, I, if I sit on my mower with worship music in, is that disobeying the Sabbath? Or i worshiping with, with whatever my hands find, do with all its strength unto the Lord, right? And, I, and this is what I heard the Lord say to me, do anything you want with this. But the Holy Spirit clearly said to my spirit, everything you put your hand to today will have the blessing of your hands. And everything you choose not to put your hand to today because you're trusting and honoring me, I'll put my hands to. I mowed my grass that day. I did not deal with the problems of this church. Why? Because God has to be God here, not me. I didn't call the staff. I didn't figure out what the budget was. I didn't figure out what our budget was. Why? Because God told me everything I didn't put my hand to today, he promised he'd put his hand to that day. That's how six is greater than seven. You get in this tithing. Does tithing make any sense to you at all? Nine is greater than ten. It's, it's, like, it's like the Sabbath. It's it, it, loving your enemies. Does that make sense to anybody? Like, let's go to the, the military. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs, probably Marine. I've got an idea. Let's just love our enemies. And he'll say, you know what? There are facts and there's intelligence and there's this, and it all points in the opposite direction. I'm not saying that a nation should love its enemies, but I am saying that people of a nation should love its enemies. Why? Because it, it's greater than hating them. Does that make any sense at all? As much sense as giving, as much sense as resting. Loving makes about that much sense. Are you getting this? Has, has, it, caught, has it dawned on you yet that there's a, there's a world that supersedes this one and when we obey its laws, we receive its fruit? Secondly, the kingdom is, is accessed through repentance. And the word repentance here... You know, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come. Repent for the kingdom of heaven. We see it over and over and over again. When you go proclaim this, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come. What's the word repent mean? I think for the longest time, I thought repentance was like tearing your clothes and sackcloth and ashes and, you know, publicly declaring, I am so sorry. I said all those mean things about Ohio State. I only meant like 90% of them. And I, you know, I I swear my allegiance this day forward to Jim Harbaugh and I burn candles to his image every night. And it's gotta be this great thing. Do you know what the word repentance means? means to change your mind. I thought gravity was gravity, but then I saw Jesus walking on water, and now I wonder. I, I thought seven days was greater than six days, but then I, I put my faith in Jesus, and my love for Jesus reordered my lesser loves into a place where I'm living a life I never would have wanted to live 10 years ago. And it's because I've changed my mind about so many things that God said. As it turns out, you'll never believe this, but the Bible's actually true. Jesus is actually right. <laughs> Paul, he's no idiot. Moses, he's got something going on. So as, as, I, as I see the truth, I'm challenged because I know the lie so well. You guys know what, what, a, what inoculation is? You probably do because COVID, right? So they take a little bit of the virus, they kill it. With, with the antibody, but they, when they give it to you, they give you a little bit of the illness and the ability to kill the illness. That's, that's what, a, what a vaccine is. Does that make sense? Is that too scientific? It's not in my notes. Did that make sense? So they give you a little bit of the illness, but they give you what it takes to overcome the illness. In the same way, hear me, we, we are surrounded by this viral world. The spirit of the age, Paul calls it. If it was the spirit of the age then, trust me, the spirit of the age is put on shinier clothes, but it's the same spirit of the age. When we are surrounded by things that are not true, and yet we hear the truth, it's like we know the lie so well, but now we have the antidote to the lie. You have to understand. Guys, hear me. Here, nothing I say all day. Hear this. You have to understand that Jesus is the solution to every problem. His teachings, his blood, his sacrifice, his grace, his spirit, his access to the Father, his promise of the kingdom. This is, these are the answers to our problems and I'm all for doctors, and I'm all for psychiatrists, and I'm all for counselors, and I'm all for, you know, one out of ten lawyers. I am. But I, I got to tell you this. Jesus is the king. And when Jesus is the king, what you've done is you've created an atmosphere called the kingdom of God. I love what Paul says here in Romans. He says, don't, don't be pressed into this pattern. Don't be conformed. Be transformed. Be transformed. How do, we, how do we get out of the this, this spirit of the age and what it believes and what it's protesting and what it's upset about this week that it won't be upset about next week because we can't raise money on it two weeks in a row? So we've got to inflame everybody this week and raise all the money we can for all of our political garbage. And that's not all political garbage, but can we be honest? How much of it is? How much of it is just this media channel matter? Remember when the news used to like do the news? You ever see the news now broadcast on the other networks broadcast of the news? It's like days of our lives got mad at As the World Turns (laughs) and all the anti-characters. It's Anyway, but don't be conformed by that. Be transformed. How? By the renewing, come on, of your... So what you think, what you believe, what you stand on is what is in your life. If you stand on things that shift, you will shift, and you stand on things that are solid... Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. If you have that, then you get to stand regardless of the winds. I got so much more to say, but I wanna, I wanna respect your time. So lastly, the kingdom of heaven is advanced through obedience. Piano girl, join me if you would. Um, the kingdom of heaven advances by teaching and proclamation, right? The kingdom of heaven advances by repentance. I see your way as greater than the way I previously believed, and I'm, I'm shifting to that. But the last thing is obedience, um, Three uh, twenty-seven BC, Sogdian um, Rock was the name of this. It was a fortified position. Alexander. It's a history lesson you don't want to hear, and I don't want to repeat. But Alexander is a conqueror. He's moving from here all the way to India. But but how many guys know you can't leave your supply lines open? So so your supply lines. Those are those are truckers. Those aren't warriors. Those are farmers with, with oxen pulling carts full of supplies and munitions and whatever he needs, food, water, whatever's got to be transported. So your supply lines have to be secure. He comes to this, this area, Sogdian Rock, and he, and he stops there because there's a fortification. And it's brilliant. It's been there for hundreds of years before he gets there. It's a, it's a, it's a landmass. Well, I'll just show it to you. It's a landmass. That is one of the... And if you're on that back camera, follow me, because I want Lyndon to see this too. Come on with me, Lyndon. Walk with me into the screen, Lyndon. It's not creepy. Um, look at this. It's, it's all valley. Three sides of it are valley. The only approach is from the west. And as it comes up, that is a heavily fortified, elevated, superior firepower, well-funded, well-supplied. They have food and water for three years if it never rains in the next three years. Their, their underground cisterns are full. Their fields have been harvested. Remember, a different ecosystem. It looks like Mars right now, but whatever. There were fields back in the day, and they were, they were well supplied. So Alexander can't pass it. He, he has to stop there and conquer it. And when he, when he gets to that town, he, uh, he, he says to, the, to the, the potentate, the king, the, whoever's there, he says, I'd like to speak to your leadership. All, all of Sogdian and Rock came to the wall. They stood on it. You can only assault us from one direction. We have supplies for years. Pass us by. We'll leave you alone. You leave us alone. And Alexander said, I won't do it because you'll side with my enemies. I'll be a bastion for spies. I won't do it. You must surrender without condition immediately. And the longer you delay me, the the less patience I will have with the the occupants of that building. And so they said, we won't do it. I I, I hope you like the sun because you're going to be here for a while. So this is what Alexander did, according to Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a 1940s German theologian, as he told this story. He said he, he lined up a company of men, hundred men, and, and with an order, company A, and boom, they, they just, right face, column of, of ones, they single file. He marched them towards the side of the cliff. And of the hundred men, he said, forward, march. And without anybody in the army... Anyone in that row of people, anyone anywhere, objecting to a single order, he marched 10 men off the side of the cliff to their death and said, halt. I mean, goes, like, the 11th guy, like, thank God. About face, forward hearts, you know. And they took out and went back to the ranks. The whole city saw it and immediately surrendered. Why? Because you, you can't beat obedience. They knew that no matter, that they would die in the end. It would be brutal. And we might as well quit now because we can't beat that. Now, if you're in Linden right now, we're going to sign off and Pastor Jason's going to close. Everybody say goodbye, Linden. If you're working the soundboard right now in Linden, you're going to cut me off in three. Why did I share this story? This This is simply why. Jesus marched off the cliff because his father commanded him to do so. Why do I share this? Because John the Baptist walked off the cliff in obedience to his king. Why do I share this? Because 11 of the 12 apostles, 10 of the 12 apostles, one commits suicide, one dies of old age on the island of Patmos but horribly burned because they boiled him in oil and yet it, wouldn't, it didn't kill him. But the other 10 died at the hands of, of people who hated the gospel as martyrs. How did they get there? Because they obeyed God and they walked off the cliff after their king. Does this make sense? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian who quoted this story, died at the hands of the SS because he was part of the Valkyrie plot to assassinate Hitler. And the, the waning days of the war, Hitler was already dead. The SS just began to assassinate political prisoners out of vengeance and he was assassinated. He was assassinated in obedience to his king. I wrote a book, and whether you ever read it or not is, is irrelevant, but it, it's something that changed my life in the writing. I realized about three quarters of the way through that I was a character in the book. I didn't know. It's called Grey's Story. I thought, it, i would just writing the story about this orphan who's been adopted by this loving king that's teaching him how to, how to live and how to die and about character and what to do with his fears and his angers and all those different things. And it got to this thing about obedience, the chapter on obedience, and not being in control. And he, he asked Gray to pick up a jug of water that was twice as heavy as the jug of water, do the dishes to help the servants, and he refused his king. He said, I won't do it. I, I get nothing more out of it. I'll use the small jug. The king said, no, I command you to use the larger jug. He said, I won't do it. The king said, okay, let's just do this. Let's just take a walk. And Gray thought he'd won. As they walked about an hour out in the countryside, they heard the sound of men shouting in the distance, but they weren't shouting at each other. They were shouting in unison, and he came over a hill. There was was a, a battalion of troops, the king's troops that were training for war. The king addressed... The king inspected his troops. He did his thing, and Gray was there kind of watching, you know, the big guys with the spears and the swords. It was, it was you know, enrapturing to a young mind that someday I'll be big. And, and as the king finished his comments, he said, obedience. And they replied back, obedience unto death. So loud it scared Gray. Obedience unto death. As he walks, the king's talking to him, and he says, why, why do you seem quiet, my son? And he said, well, because every authority I've ever known has failed me. The only way I survive is by going around authority, and you're telling me that these men will submit to your authority. And so the king leads them through a lesson. And in the end, he realizes what's, what's happening is that sometimes the king knows stuff that the soldier doesn't. You still here? Sometimes the king knows stuff that the subjects don't understand. And I'm asking you here today just simply for this. I, I, this is what I got in my spirit as hearing this. I think God has commanded some of you to walk off cliffs. I don't mean to your death, but God has commanded you to do certain things. They're in your heart. They've been in your heart for a long time. And, and you're waiting for that perfect moment, those perfect circumstances where it all aligns so that you can do that perfect thing. I, I, I rarely think it happens that way. Matter of fact, the faith that it takes to do great things is obedience unto death. But what if I lose my house? Then you lose your house, but you obey your king. But what if people around me don't understand? Then they don't understand, but you obey your king. What if giving this up will remove one of the key legs of the chair of my support system? A a, a romantic relationship, a relationship I have with alcohol, drugs, porn, you know, my neighbor, money and greed. Like what? If I obey God, I'll lose something so valuable to me. This is what I'm telling you. Listen to me. It's up to you whether or not you walk off the cliff. It's up to you whether or not you obey unto death. But I'm telling you, those who obey, God math kicks in. Those who obey, God calendar kicks in. Those who obey get to walk with their king in the kingdom of God. And those who don't get to watch other people do it. And they clap at their stories, and they give 20 bucks to their causes. But how many you guys know that many of us have causes inside of our heart that have yet to be realized because we won't take that step of obedience because it feels like it's gonna send us over a cliff. You still here? It's funny, I can hear the people that are saying good word and amen. You know why they're saying that? I know them. They've all walked off cliffs. It's, that amen is a testimony to you of what I'm saying is actually true. Would you stand on your feet? Don't leave quite yet. Sogdian rock. The battle of Sogdian rock. Um, Fourth of July, my wife and I were enjoying some time together, and I see you realize 29 Fourth of Julys ago, we're sleeping on army cots with a one-year-old and a three-year-old, four-year-old. We took a huge cut in pay for being youth pastors to be the senior pastors of this church. We came to a town that we didn't know she'd never been to before. I've driven through, but that was about it. I got a call from the superintendent of the Michigan District of the Assemblies of God and said, Jim, I think you're making a mistake. You shouldn't go to Fenton. It's a bad idea. The dynamics there will eat you alive and spit you out. My mom said, you know, after hearing what you said, I I, I would counsel you against that. My pastor in Arizona said, Jim, it sounds like that's a bad idea. So why did we do it? You ready? Because I literally knew that I knew that I knew that I'd been commanded to do it. And they're all right. Nothing they said was wrong. But, but the difference was, how many of you guys know that if you're willing to walk off a cliff, you're willing to love your enemy too? You're willing to walk off a cliff, you're willing to work as hard as you ever worked in your life. If you're willing to walk off a cliff, then you don't mind if your kids sleep on army cuts. If you're willing to walk off a cliff to obey your king, you should anticipate some suffering, you should anticipate some loss, you should anticipate some, some next levels of faith that are needed, but you should also anticipate that any place and any people that has Jesus as the center is the kingdom of heaven. And, and that's what we've been enjoying for the, the last 28 4th of Julys is the fruit of the, of the efforts of the first one. Does that make sense? So hear me today. I, I, I'm, I'm closing as best I know how. lyndon has gone, so I don't to worry about them. Graham Blank is probably still listening somewhere sometime. Pontotoc's listening sometime. But hear me. Everything we're enjoying at this moment is not just the result of us walking off the cliff. It's the result of you walking off the cliff because you walked off it with us. It's not just our efforts. It's the generation before that. Effie and Thelma Burke came to a town that didn't want them here to preach a Pentecostal gospel in the middle of a Catholic community that didn't want them here. They preached it faithfully for decades. Decades. Are you kidding me? He forgot his business. He was bivocational most of those 33 years. Why? Because he heard his commander say, Forward, march. And he walked off a cliff in obedience. How many of you guys respect that man? Honor that man. Okay, last question. How many of you are starting to realize it's time for you to be that man? To be that woman? So Father, as we close today, the dreams that are way out there someday, because we heard a voice. Yes, there's timing. Yes, there is such a thing as too soon. There's also such a thing as trying to outthink my commander, trying to outthink my king. Just what he said before in March, what he probably meant was, And those soldiers walked off, and they died. And John the Baptist walked off, and he died. And Jesus walked off, and he died. And the apostle Paul walked off, and he died. And 10 of the 12 disciples walked off, and they died. God, if there's an obedience in us that says, this far but no more, then how dare we call you Lord? We can call you Savior, but every time I see something in me that doesn't look like you, It's just another opportunity for me to to work on that through repentance. I'd love to, but I can't because. And we start to work that through and you give us scriptures and counsel and and words of wisdom and words of knowledge and and courage will come for those who look for it. And cowardice will always remain if we don't. So I pray, God, for an army of believers to be unleashed from the service. They will be obedient unto death. Not looking to die, looking to live but obedient unto death. I thank you for him. I have your way now. Listen, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. This is not for me, this is for you. But if you're like, you know what? I needed this message because I feel like God's been dealing with me. This is your first step. It's important. Go from the noun of, I think this might be for me, to the the, the verb of God. I'm responding to you right now. If you're like, Jim, I needed this today. I'm responding. This is my first verb of obedience. This is my first step towards that cliff. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand just between you and God, all over this room right now, I'm raising my hand, something in my heart, I've been afraid to do, something in my heart, that, that doing it would be obedience, so if not doing it, what would you call that? I'm called to be, I'm called to do, I'm called to go, I'm called to stay, I'm called to fight for this, I'm, I'm, I'm called to surrender to that, I'm, I'm called of God. So glad you're not orphans. So glad you're sons and daughters. But remember, you're also heirs, which means you have authority. So Father, I pray that that authority would be used in obedience, be used well. If you're not right with God right now, listen. At the end of the, the service today, in literally like 30 seconds, altar workers, matter of fact, guys, if you're in the altar workers, would you come forward this morning? i make sure you have enough because I know some of our kids are our, our ministry academy students are at camp. So if you're an altar worker, would you make your way forward? You're like, I need to get right with God. I'm I'm not right with God. I just, Jim, this whole walking off a cliff stuff, I gotta meet the king (laughs) before I walk off a cliff. Then that's what they're gonna do today. They're gonna help you find your king, Jesus, and introduce you to the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Come on, say it in your heart. It's any place and any people where Jesus is king. What is the kingdom of God? It's any place and any people where Jesus is king. Father, thank you. Be king. Be king. Not Burger King, not King Charles, not King George. Be King Jesus, our king, our sovereign, our Lord. We pray in Jesus' name and everybody said amen. Amen. So you thought Pastor Carl went long. Sorry about that. (laughs) Live long, prosper. You are dismissed. God bless you as you go. If you need prayer, want to talk to somebody about Jesus, need prayer for healing, anything in your life, these good people are waiting on you.